KMTT, Kimitzion Tzitzit Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat Vayeshev, Shabbat Chanukah, Kaf Dalid, Kislev. The Erev Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Megure Aviv Be'eretz Kenan. And Yaakov dwelled in the land of his forefathers, the land that his forefathers lived in, in the land of Canaan. Chazal have a haunting comment on this pasuk, a comment that uh, is very important in defining our Jewish existence. After all of Yaakov's travails, travails, traveling, leave, running away from Eretz Canaan, away from his brother Esav, living away from his family, outside of his homeland, struggling to establish a family, marry two wives, establish wealth for himself, fighting with his father-in-law who at every attempt tried to swindle him out of what was rightfully his, paying back perhaps for deceiving his father. Finally, after all these years, Yaakov comes back to Eretz Yisrael and here Chazal say, Bikesh Yaakov Avinu Lashevet Beshalva. Yaakov said, I'd like to live peacefully now, live happily. I like everything to uh, to go well now. I've paid my dues, and I'd like to now raise my family happily here in the land of my forefathers. I've returned. And the Midrash, quoted in Rashi, goes on to say, Lo daila tzadikim sheish lahem chelek lo'olam haba shem vakshim gam chelek ba'olam hazeh. It's not enough that tzadikim have a chelek la'olam haba, but they also want a good life in this world. I'm not going to get into the whole discussion about olam haba. But the re- reaction of this is that the story of Yosef and what happened there comes up. A troubling Midrash, without a doubt. We'd all like to think that Yaakov Avinu went through enough in his life to satisfy God's need to test a person, to satisfy God's need to challenge a person. But that's not the case. And I'm not talking about now a dollars and cents account, a time and, and uh, accounting of how much time has Yaakov suffered and been through trials and tribulations for and how much is sufficient. I want to discuss the question of Bikesh Yaakov Avinu Lashevet Bishelva. He wanted to 
sit and live in tranquility. He's overcome challenges. He's finished overcoming challenges. Or so he desired, or so he wanted. Is that not a reasonable request? There is... Out there in Jewish discussions that religion, Judaism specifically, is about what it does for me. And there are certainly within the world of Kiruv, but certainly today beyond the world of Kiruv, an attitude of not what can I do for my religion, but what can my religion do for me. Not what I can do for Judaism, I am obligated to do for Judaism, but what can Judaism do for me. And this stretches from, in the, in the worst case scenario, what monetary gains I have from being religious, how God will take care of me if I am religious, something that has roots already in Chazal. It goes on to things that are more abstract and more spiritual, that everything that I do, I'm doing for a, a chilek, a portion, a good portion in Olam and against this notion it was said in Pirkei Avot, Al tiyu avadim, ha'ovdim et harav almanat l'kabel pras, el tiyu avadim, ha'ovdim et harav almanat shilo l'kabel pras. Do not be slaves who worship their master in order to get a prize, a reward. Rather, you should be slaves who work their master not in order to receive reward. And in a more sophisticated way, we talk about it in terms of hitchabrut, reaching some sort of place of balance in life, a spiritual balance that Judaism can offer, Judaism can supply. To those who connect to Judaism, one will find spiritual tranquility. No, we're talking about economic satisfaction, or we're talking about a satisfaction, an internal satisfaction in the, in the world to come, or we're talking about a psychological, spiritual satisfaction. All of these I would categorize as Bikesh Yaakov Avinu Lashevet Beshelva. Yaakov Avinu desired this as his existence. He faced challenges. He worked hard. But this is what he expects now. Lashavet Bishova, to sit in tranquility. Financial tranquility, certainly he had that. Spiritual tranquility. Tranquility amongst his family. This is what Yaakov Avinu desired. And this, according to Chazal, was an unexpected, un, pardon me, unacceptable request.
upsetting. It's an upsetting midrash, without a doubt. And yet, whether we know it in ourselves, whether we know it by looking elsewhere outside of our sphere, <clears throat> we truly understand that a devotion to God cannot be based on a give and take. Ravami tells you should be well and healthy. One of his, one of his, the themes that he would speak about, certainly in the last decade, perhaps a little bit more, was hitchabrut versus mechuyavut, connecting versus being obligated, a sense of obligation. Connecting being that idea mentioned before of wanting Judaism for some spiritual, psychological balance in life, a satisfying psychological, spiritual place. That's why we get involved in Judaism. <clears throat> That's why we connect to Judaism. The Torah is very rewarding spiritually. A religious life is rewarding. <clears throat> and Amitala spoke about the need for mechuyavut. No, you have to be, you have to have a sense of obligation. Can there be some of these things in Judaism? Absolutely. But is that the reason that we get connected? Absolutely not. Because there will come the day where we're going to have a lot of questions. Things aren't going to, pardon the yeshivish term, shtim. Things are going to be In, not in balance. There are going to be question marks. Things aren't going to go well. And then, those of us who based our religious devotion to God on economic success, on spiritual success, might find themselves without economic success, might find themselves in a spiritually low place. And then what happens to the devotion to God then? A spiritual life based on Bikesh Yaakov Avinu Lashevet B'Shalva is not then an acceptable way of life. Perhaps with the one exception of Olam Abba. Olam Abba is not something we'll ever be able to test in this world. We'll never be able to say, well, I didn't get my portion in Olam Abba, therefore my devotion to God is waning. <clears throat> no, perhaps Olam Abba is acceptable in that sense. However, worshipping God, being devoted to God for any response from God is not true devotion. That's not what Chazal and Pirkei Avot pointed to, Eved She'oved Almanat Shalolakabel Pras. A true devotion is being devoted, being obligated to God, because that is what we do as Jews. The seeking out of reward, the seeking out of tranquility, 
though we can hope for it, though we can pray for it, cannot be the axiom of our Jewish existence. And yet, at the same time, and here it gets really complicated, we have the Torah telling us in Parshat Kitavo that one of the reasons that the Tochacha is brought down on Am Yisrael is Tachat Asher Hashem Besimcha Uvetuv Merov Kol. You were punished because you didn't worship God and happiness and in a good heart, Merov Kol. When you have everything. Okay. So this statement in the Torah does not address all states in Jewish life. Not all the time do Jewish people have rov kol, that they have plenty. But it certainly addresses Jewish life when we do have what we have. We have to be able to recognize what we have, what we have for good, whether we have our health, whether we're able to support ourselves. We have to be able to, yes, recognize the good things that we have in life and be thankful for them. So this is an interesting balance. On the one hand, and this is very demanding, and if you could see my face, I have a grin on my face. And if you could see inside, then you could see the complication of what these two things that I'm juxtaposing together. On the one hand, an understanding that we cannot demand anything in our religious life. In a true religious life, there is devotion. We are avadim. We worship God not because we're expecting anything in return, not because we deserve anything in return, And it's easy to say it, but to internalize what I'm saying and really worship God in this way is not an easy thing. Because that's not, certainly in 21st century world that we live in, it's certainly not the way the rest of the world works. On the other hand, we have to be very careful because... We have to know, yes, to be thankful for what we do have. And to know when we're supposed to be even besimcha for what we have. Yes, a difficult balance. We're being asked for a lot. We're being asked for a devotion which knows no bounds, which doesn't accept anything in return, that's the level of devotion we're demanded of. doesn't mean we won't get anything in return. But we can't expect that. 
That's the devotion that we're demanded of. And at the same time, we have to be very careful of not being grateful, of being down. Because if we have some things going our way, we have to be besimcha, we have to be grateful and happy about those things. And if things are not going our way, we have to understand that that is part of our religious existence, our devotion to God, that we work and worship God even if things are not going our way. Not an easy balance. I wouldn't even call it a balance. It's a tightrope walk. And for those of you who identify with this experience, it's one that is easy to describe, as I've just done now. And I can prescribe to you the correct way of acting very easily, as I've done now. But how to live that and how to do that, that's a challenge. To not expect anything from God on the one hand, when things don't go our way, because it's not acceptable to expect everything to go our way in our religious life. Yaakov Avinu's request to live in salvation and tranquility was not an acceptable request. And our lives are full of challenges, and hopefully much fewer challenges than we have experienced over our history. But our lives are full of challenges. And yet at the same time, we're not allowed to bury ourselves in our challenges and let ourselves slip into a depression. We are expected, when we have good things, and not all times in Jewish history did we have good things, tangible good things, and we don't have to describe examples. Sometimes things were bad, but when we have good things, and certainly I would dare to say for the majority of us living in Western society today, we can be thankful for the food on our plates, that, are, that is usually plenty, we're not hungry, we can be thankful for our children's health when that's the case, we can be thankful for our own health, we can be thankful for the education that we're availed today. There are a lot of things and a lot of ways in which we can describe our lives today as merov kol, having plenty. And in that case, we have to be able to worship Hashem besimcha uvetuv levav as well. A challenge that has been placed at your doorstep, good luck. Shabbat Shalom. Chanukah Sameach, hopefully next week, while it's still Chanukah, we'll take some time to address Chanukah issues as well. Shabbat Shalom, and I pass on the microphone to Rav Bek. This week in Pashat Bayeshev, uh, we have one or two interesting halachot or dinim which we learned from the Parsha. Uh, the first one I want to talk about, I think a very important one, and perhaps it's obvious to everybody that that's a lesson of the Pasha. Uh, what might be less obvious is that the Gemara says it explicitly. In the beginning of the Pasha, we know that uh, Yaakov gives Yosef his favorite son, the Asalok Tonet Pasim. 
He gave him a special gift, Ketonet Pasim. About which the Gemara in Shabbat, Dafiyot, says as follows, Le'olam al yishane adam bino ben habanim. A person should never, no, it doesn't say it's a sur. It's not an isu di right, it's not an isu di rabbanan. This is advice, but advice that the consequences are such that it's it's clearly advice you should follow. Le'olam al yishane adam bino ben habanim. A person should never distinguish, should not change his habits from one son to another. He should not cause a distinction between his children. He should not distinguish one son from the others. Because as a result of, and the Gemara does a, an estimation, how much money, how much did it cost Yaakov to provide the Ketonet Pasim for Yosef? He says, Shnei Slaim. Two, two seller. Uh, if you remember, you give a kohen when you bechor is born, you give him chamisha slaim. It's a small amount of money, a couple of dollars. Shnei slaim milat of, of fine cloth, which Yaakov gave to Yosef. Yoter mishar banav. That was the excess that Yosef received, as opposed to compared to the other, the other children of Yaakov. Nitkanuba echav. This caused uh, jealousy. And one thing led to another, the wheel turned, and in the end, our ancestors went down to Mitzrayim. You could say the Gemara is exaggerating a bit, but nonetheless the Gemara wishes to draw the line. In the end, the end result of the two slayim, this little act of favor which Yaakov uh, showed Yosef, as a indirect result, eventually, Shiabud Mitzrayim. So obviously it means it's a very terrible thing. You can never tell what the effects will be. Because the advice, I think we know is obvious. Uh, it's not always easy for people to, in fact, even though they know it's true, but it's easy enough to violate this advice. And that's why I think the Gemara perhaps magnifies exaggeratedly the possible results you can never tell but what it's trying to say is that jealousy between children is much worse much more potentially damaging than other small acts which perhaps would create uh, even 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 uh, disagreement between people in other words the fact that you're jealous of your neighbor it's not the same as being jealous of your brother. Because, I imagine, because of the pressures and the emotions and the... And uh, people are uneven and, and people have uh, whatever gates they have. And therefore, perhaps people are jealous or... or uh, by their neighbors. It doesn't necessarily lead them to actions. But when it's within the family, the pressure cooker is so much worse. And look, look what could happen. Besofiyar du avoteinu Mitzrayim. There's a Gemara in, in Megillah, and after Zion, which uh, mentions this halacha, mentions this as, as, as a principle. I'm mentioning this Gemara because the Gemara has asked a question based on the Gemara in Shabbat, which means that it, it, it's partial to the Gemara that it's not just a little bit of advice. It's something which you really have to, you're, you're really meant to, to follow the, on, on a Pasuk in next week's Pasha. 
in uh, two weeks parsha in, in Vayigash. Uh, that uh, sorry, next week's pasha. Next week's pasha that uh, Yosef gives presents to his brothers when they come down. He gave each one of them a, a change of clothing, but Binyamin he gave five. The Gemara in the Megillah that Tzayin asks, saying, how could it be that Yosef, who should have among all beyond all people, known the danger he has suffered in his own life because of this mistake of showing more favor to one son than the others? In this case, it's his brother, one brother more than the others. The problem isn't that you're a father or that you're a brother. The problem is that jealousy between the brothers. So Yosef had, his life had been, had been ruined. He was sold into slavery because, notice the word because, because of what his father had done. The tzaddik means Yosef. Yosef had suffered because of this particular thing. And he will now fall into the same pit and it quotes the Gemara in Shabbat so the Gemara gives an answer right, when I'm learning next week's Pasha the Gemara says that he has a special reason for it and the Pasha want to know why that makes a difference but now even I'm interested in the question in other words the Gemara just doesn't you know if anyone should have been careful about this it would be Yosef and obviously it means to tell us that we have to be very careful as well interestingly enough this is quoted the halacha. It's quoted in the Rambam in Hilchot Nachalot. The context of the Rambam is in uh, wills. And the Rambam, after quoting that there are ways, there are halachic ways to give more, to write more in your will to one son than to another, the Rambam quotes, Tzivu Chachamim, notice the language, Chachamim commanded, they ordained, it's good advice, but it's good advice that's halacha. Tzivu chachamim. Chachamim commanded us not to distinguish one son from another in your lifetime, even a little bit. Even a little bit is because what the Gemara Shabbat says, Mishkal Shnei Slayim, the difference between the Ketonet Pasim and the other clothing was a small amount. But nonetheless, when you're talking about jealousy and competition, Tacharut Vikina, even a small amount. The, the principle is exact equality. Any small sign of inequality, the emotion, it's not a, it's not a crime of, it's not a monetary crime. It's an emotional crime. The emotion is uncontrollable. Uh, and there's a whole distinct question in the in the, the postgame as to whether or not in fact it is permissible to write a will in other words Ram said Bechayab in your lifetime if you leave it after your death whether that's okay and uh, this is discussed in Choshomish Bet Siman Reish Pebet the Bach the Tur as to Bet Yosef is there is it permissible is it advisable is it permissible to in fact write a distinguishing will, to give more of one's inheritance to one than the other. But it, in one's lifetime, the Mammon says, when, when it's a personal attitude, perhaps a distinction can be made between a will after one's death and in lifetime, 
uh, in your lifetime when it's your personal attitude the fact that we see the father smiling at one side and not at the other in one way or another is is a recipe for disaster okay there's not that much more to add to this halacha it's it's I think obvious we all know it's obvious what's important is merely to stress to stress it in uh, for all the fathers and mothers among us and families are wonderful things but they're pressure cookers for uh, uncontrollable emotions which need to be which need to be checked which need we when it's very important that we not make it worse we not fuel the potential for familial discord we all remember that it's very possible to look at Sefer Breshit with only a small amount of exaggeration as a history of brotherly discord the first brothers Cain and Hevel one killed the other and then Yitzhak Vishmael and Yaakov Esav and Achim Yosef. The brothers do not get along well in Sefer Bereshit. Not to teach us that that's okay, but to teach us that, and specifically the story of Yosef teaches us, to some extent it's parental responsibility. And, and that has to be taken into account. Okay, another uh, interesting thing found in the, in the Pasha. Um, it's a medrash which appears in a number of psukim but one of them is in our pasha after Yosef was thrown into the pit so Reuven the oldest brother tries to save him Vayishmah Reuven it's a pasuk Chafalif Cheshit Lamed Zayn pasuk Chafalif Vayishmah Reuven they were planning to kill Yosef and Uvain stops them from killing Yosef, tells them to throw him into the pit and the Pasuk says that he in fact was planning to save him and bring him back to his father. The Medrash, it's a Medrash that's found in, in, in Rut. Medrash Rabbah of Rut. Sefer Rut. Amar Rabbi Yitzhak Bar Marion Baha Katuv Lelamdecha this Pasuk, as well as other Pasukim, come to teach you, okay, the Pasuk is teaching us, She'im adam osem mitzvah ya'asena belevav shalem. If you're already doing a mitzvah, do it with a perfect heart. In other words, sometimes we do the right thing because we know we're supposed to do it. We've been taught, we have a conscience, we, we, we've decided we're going to follow the Shulchan Aruch and, and, the other good advice of Chazal, but our heart's not really in it. Okay, so what's the tell? Well, the main thing is the action, 100%. The main thing is that you did it. But, le'olam, im adam osem mitzvah, ya'asena belevav shalem. How do we learn this from this pasuk? She'ilu hayar uvein yodaya, shakadosh baruch hu machtiv alav. If Ruvain would have known that Kadosh baruch is going to write, or cause to be written in the Torah, if Ruvain would have known that God is going to write about Ruvain, that Ruvain tried to save Yosef, that alone would have motivated him to carry Yosef home to his father on his shoulder. 
And some other examples, just so we can get the feeling of what, what, what really is the point of it. It's not 100% clear. Some other examples. If Aaron Akohen would have known, was telling Kashboch, he didn't want to go, and Pashat Shemot, they didn't want to go because he doesn't talk well, and, and who was going to talk instead of me? And then God says to Rokhe, I'm going to give the job to Aaron, and in fact, he's going to meet you when you come. And when he sees you, he'll be happy. If Aaron had known that God would write that pasuk about him, he wouldn't have just come out and smiled. He would have greeted Moshe Rabbeinu with musical instruments and dancing. If Boaz, this is the connection to Seferut, would write about him. ואחת <laughs> The Medrash continues, Rabbi Yoshua de Sachnin b'shem Rabbi Levi. L'sha'avar haya adam oseh mitzvah b'anavi kotva. In the past, person would do mitzvah and the navi, the prophet would write it down. Today there are no neviim. Achshav, k'shadam oseh mitzvah, mi kotva? Who writes it today? There are no neviim. Eliyahu kotva, umelech ha-mashiach, v'akadosh baruch hu, chotem al-idahem. Every act, every mitzvah that a person does is written down in the book by Eliyahu navi, and there's a, it's signed, this is a test to it. Melech HaMashiach and Melech Machim Lachim HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Adao Dekhtiv, Az Nidbaru Yerei Hashem Isha Re'eyu, Vayakshev Hashem Ha'ishma, Vayikatev Sefer Zichon Lefanav, Zerei Hashem Al-Choshvei Shemo. In fact, it's a pasuk that says exactly that. So what's really the point? The point is, what does it mean that people would do, you would do more if you knew that God was writing it down? So we have to remember what the original statement was. You should do it Belev Shalem. The, the, the point of the Medrash is that everything that a person does, every mitzvah is written down by God, apparently not to the God will remember. God will remember anyhow. It means it's written down, it has a permanent effect, it's a permanent record. It's not just a secondary, a momentary thing. God is counting your good deeds. In other words, these things are being treasured by God and they're, they're written, it's not that you should, if you, if you, if we knew that someone else was going to, if someone else was writing a book about me, so I'd be much more self-conscious. I don't think that's what it means here, because no one's going to read this book except for God, and God knows it anyhow. But it just means you should know that it's not just between you and the ani who you're giving money to; it's just between you and 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 the brothers in your safe that Uvain is acting. It's cosmic. Everything we do is part of the history of the world, and therefore, not that you should do more. If you do more, then it's not, it's not Belev Shalem, it's Shalom Lishma. But you should do it, I think it says you should do it Belev Shalem. The Musa here is obvious, very often. We do things, we're really reluctant, but we do it anyhow, because we know it's the right thing to do. But you don't smile. You give, you know, people knock on your door at night, you give them staka. So yeah, you give them staka because it's the right thing to do. You're a good person. But inwardly, you're really upset. You don't like being bothered. You're not so sure the guy's really an ani. You're not belev shalem. You're not in a whole heart. Perfect heart means a whole heart. You're not shalem imatzmacha. A person is divided. 
The opposite of a whole heart is a divided heart. So saying this, if you're doing a mitzvah, you should know the mitzvah is has cosmic significance. So identify with what you're doing. Be behind what you're doing. Because it's not it's not something which is going to go away. It's part of the permanent history of the world and you this is your this is your history. It's you. So make sure that it's really you. Uh, it's a very important I think there's in this particular case of Ruvain there's a little bit of criticism here in the end Ruvain didn't save Yosef he tried he was upset he came back they'd, he, Yosef already disappeared and he was very upset and he tore his clothing and he said what's going to happen to me what am I going to do but you know in the end he didn't do it and, and perhaps perhaps the Medrash is saying Lo ya if it was Belev Shalem he would have carried it through. But if there's a little bit of of split, divided heart, Reuben is also one of the brothers. It says the brothers all hated Yosef. But Reuben has a better superego than they have. And therefore, despite his, his basic participation with the other brothers in, in the discord with Yosef, but in the end, he's going to do the right thing. He's not going to kill Yosef. Chas shalom. The question is whether his heart was completely behind his mind. We have a conscience. We have rational decisions. That's how, and that, that, that's the mark of a good person, is that his mind, his understanding dictates what he should do. Not his heart. But then you should also make sure you drag your heart to be with your mind. And if you don't, it's low belief, shalem, then perhaps in this particular case, it also didn't turn out, in the end, it didn't turn out well enough because he wasn't enough behind what um, what he what he was doing. And that's it for Pashat uh, Vayeshev. Only had two, two limudim, two lessons from this Pasha. There are other things we could have chosen, but I think these were the two main things that turn up in the Pasha. We'll be back next week for Pashat Piketz. Until then, Shabbat Shalom, Mivorach.